now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. See, a United States Astro Robot becomes a creature of death. And these. We have come here to this planet for one purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Hello everyone and welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast from Class of the Cults and the Cheese in Between. The movies are beeped, the entertainment is grade A. And I am your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti, and I'm joined by my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Good morning, Jay. Today, uh, we're going back to the master. And in the 1977 film, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, his next-to-last film. And we'll get to it right after this. These eyes peer out through time, through space, to a land beyond imagination. These are the eyes of the tiger. Follow their gaze back, back to where legends first began, where fantasy is real and the land of the lost is rediscovered. Journey across the oceans of antiquity to the northern edge of the ancient world. As Sinbad battles with both human... From the depths of the earth, I command you, arise! ...and supernatural evil. Destroy them! Kill Sinbad! Bewitched him. Let me get the smile from her face! Filmed in the miracle of Dinorama. Starring Patrick Wayne, Taryn Power, Jane Seymour. From producers Charles H. Schneer and Ray Harryhausen. Come face to face with the prehistoric Trog. See the sorceress bring life to the all-powerful Minotaur. Eat with the power as only I command you. See Sinbad battle the saber-toothed tiger, guardian of the secret shrine. Join Sinbad, the greatest of all adventurers, in his biggest adventure of all.
Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger was released August 12, 1977, with a 113 minute running time. Your budget was anywhere from three to three and a half million, with a box office of over 20 million. Um, which is a pretty good return on investment. Um, this, of course, as we mentioned, is uh, Ray Harryhausen. Harryhausen, of course, gets a story credit, and Beverly Cross gets a screenplay credit. Your director here is uh, Sam Wanamaker. Um, Sam Wanamaker, uh, uh, who, has, who passed away in, uh, in, in 1999, um, he was he moved. He had actually moved from the UK, moved to the UK, was in fear of being blacklisted during the. Uh, you know the um, McCarthyism in the in the Hollywood and stuff like that, and he was known for uh, uh, over in Europe um, being part of the Rose Theater and like Shakespeare and stuff like that. So, uh, and then obviously this whole concept is based on Sinbad, and, uh, Sinbad the Sailor and the One Thousand and One Arabian Nights and all that stuff. And your producer here, of course, is uh, you know Charles H. Schneer, and of course Harryhausen is, gets producer credit as well because it again is his stuff. So um, reconnecting Harryhausen and Schneer together um, to kind of give us what we had. Now your uh, your Columbia is your distribution, of course, um, and, and then your production company was Andor Films. Uh, your your main stars here are Patrick Wayne, which is John Wayne's son, um, and uh, some people might feel that he's not the the best Sinbad. I think the issue is Kieran Matthews as the first Sinbad kind of really set the bar really high, um, and then um, what's John his, Richardson? No, isn't it? No, it's uh, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah. What the thing is, but the problem is uh, there's no uh, when you look at um, obviously the way Kieran Matthews looks as Sinbad clean-shaven, white suit. Like, it, he's very much Sinbad, but not like the Sinbad you would normally read about. Like, it's not in the, like the you know, stories and stuff like that. Whereas um, here, uh, you know, Patrick Wayne uh, looks very much, uh, he looks much more, um, I don't want to say, like he looks kind of more like Which someone who might be at sea. Right. You know, kind of thing. He might have been at sea for a while. Um, isn't it Philip Michael Law? No. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember who played him in Golden Voyage. But in Golden Voyage, he looks a lot like yeah. he's he might be of you know middle Middle Eastern descent, you know, kind of thing. He doesn't look to be you know he's not right. clean shaven and stuff like that. And that's that's part of also what what um, I don't I don't want to say that's one of the reasons maybe why they picked Patrick Wayne here. Um, I don't have exactly why he would you know be a choice except he is John Wayne's son. There is that name recognition, um, but I don't think he's you know I think he's more than he's passable okay. in the movie. He's okay. It's but I think I think what sometimes happens. Is that, and this is the issue, when the first one's really good, like you always are going to compare the different Sinbads because there's never been the same person twice. Yeah, I mean, I I looked at it. His his acting style was uh, a, a grade below the other two. Yeah. Well, um, and then your second build is uh, Taryn Power. Now it seems weird that you're thinking like, well, why is Jane Seymour not build second? She's not. She's not built to like fourth or fifth. Taryn Power. Um, who plays Dion, uh, she actually is the great-great-granddaughter of Tyrone Power, right. the original Tyrone Power. She's the granddaughter of Tyrone Power Sr. She's the half-sister of Tyrone Power Jr. <laughs> right? So there's a lot of Tyrone Power kind of thing here. And, and, and the, I'll be honest with you, I think that's why she's second build. Yeah. Well, Tyrone Power was uh, was a major star in the late 30s and 40s and uh, so 
you know, they had a, he had a lot of pull. He made a lot of money for uh, for the uh, for the movie industry back then. Wait, I'm saying I think maybe that's why she's billed second. Yeah. I was just surprised, that, yeah. you know, when when this when the the credits came up. I remember the movie as Jane Seymour because she's the she's the, the princess. princess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or or maybe Margaret Whiting should have been second billed because she's in the movie a bunch too. Uh, right, and she's the she's the and biggest, she's the villain. Right, she's the biggest star. But I'm saying it is I'm like. Okay, but like, but it's not the way it's billed, and that's fine. And we just again we mentioned Mar- Margaret White, Margaret Whiting, uh, British actress. Um, she actually was nominated um, for a Saturn Award for this movie. Um, she is a member of the the RADA. Like she's famous. Yeah, yeah. She's a very. I mean, she acted um, up until like. I mean, she's what she's 80, almost eighty nine. She's almost eighty nine years old, kind of thing, right? Uh, you know, she acted up till nineteen ninety nine. It wasn't like you know yeah. she had a, whatever. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, you know, she's known, um, in, in some films, uh, you know, the, the, the informers in 63, the count of her constable, her TV work with the Mount County Monte Cristo. Um, she was on the Avengers, um, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, the, there's a lot of BBC work, a yeah. lot of British work in here. Um, she was pretty well known over there. Um, you know, as, uh, an actress who's, you know, been, uh, again, and that's it's, okay. It's hard because in England, you know, making being a movie star in England is different than being a movie star in America. Like they're movie stars in America, right? right. In England, they're people, but there it's like, well, they're a star, but like how many movies they make? Oh, two. Why? Well, they've been they did this play right. and they did this TV, yeah. and it's just different over there. And she definitely falls in that range. Yeah. Um, your and then of course Jane Seymour. I mean, you know, we can talk about Jane Seymour all day long. I mean, she. You know, not only is she Quinn Medicine Woman, but she's, she's been everything. Jane Seymour was a Bond girl and Live and Let Die and things like that. And one, I think people might not, I'm not saying people don't recognize him because he does have a beard on. Uh, Patrick uh, uh, Trotton was the second doctor for Doctor Who. I know that doesn't mean much to you and I because we yeah. don't watch Doctor Who, but like he was the second doctor. So he was the doctor from 66 to 69. He then came back in 72 to 73, and then in 83 and 85 in small roles. And to Doctor Who fans, I'm sure they recognized him immediately, but I oh, yeah. did not recognize him immediately because I don't know any of the doctors, unless they're current people. Um, and let's be honest, the current doctors were children at best during 1978, 77. Um, and the, uh, and, you know, so I, I'm sure somebody, you know, uh, again, especially among our listeners who are two true, uh, two true Peak fans who are also Doctor Who fans would recognize that. That's not something yeah. I initially would. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to just mention before we get started, um, I hadn't seen the movie in, in a number of years. And then when, when you asked me to, to watch it so we could review it, uh, the color palette of this movie on Blu-ray is absolutely stunning. Um, Again, the the transfer to uh, you know from from the the original theater to to Blu-ray, uh, when you see the color, the reds are reds, the blues are blues. It is it is it's it's a pleasure to watch. Yeah, it, the, the the movie. I also think too what we get in this film that maybe we don't get as much in. Um, well, you definitely don't get it as much in gold in in, in uh, Seventh Voyage. Seventh Voyage is is you know I mean not that that there's not color but like mm-hmm. it's. You know the colors. I'm saying muted, but the colors are very mm, within the same. It's, it's not a it's not a ranging palette. What I think we get more in Golden Voyage, and we definitely get much more here, is we get the more I don't want to say outlandish color, but the like the pops of color yeah. that really make it look more Middle Eastern 
than kind of just like stock and standard. Yeah. Right. And I think, but isn't that also though, to be honest, think about like pirate movies and stuff like that. And like those kind of things, like the, back in the day, it was a lot of black and white and whatever, like, but we knew pirates wore whatever they get their hands on kind of yeah. thing. Like, I mean, here, you what, know, what you, what, what you expect to see in Arabian nights is a lot of flowing robes and what have you in all different colors. And yeah. that's exactly what you get here. Yeah. I think that I think I think what also helps here too. Obviously, we're talking 1977. Um, you know, the film stock is better. Yes. Everything's getting better. You know, so they're able to pop those colors in. You want to keep the screen visually interesting for the audience. Um, not to say that you know the story's not interesting, yeah, but you I, want to keep the visuals up there. Yeah, but I but what I I think is it, when you, the the transfer from the movie the movie uh, reels to the to the Blu-ray. Is different because when you went back in the seventies, even the late seventies, when you saw a trailer, it was even now. Even now, when 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 you see the extras on a, on a thing and it's the trailer of the movie, it's not the same. Well, they don't clean it up. No, well, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. here, here, whatever your remembrances were of the movie, this thing is just wow. Well, but the thing also that I'm saying that is if. If I dress everyone in browns and grays, right, it's, they're it's, in browns it's and grays. grays. But if I'm dressing them in reds and checkered patterns and purples and blue, I think a conscious decision was made to keep the the visual story interesting and the screen so that it right. didn't it didn't look. It wanted to look fresh and new, right? That's quote a, unquote. Right, that's, that's you know that's kind of thing. Word. Yeah, keep it keep it interesting. All right. So in in the kingdom of Chara. Uh, Chark, oh my God, why can't I speak today? Chakar, uh, a celebration is taking place at the coronation of Prince Kazim, but Kazim's evil stepmother, Zenobia, places a curse on him just as he's about to be uh, crowned caliph. Okay, so this is where the movie opens, and and as we're here, we, we see this, you know, again, and this is one of the things you can always count on in Harry House, like when a Harry House movie is, he would always say, like, oh, I want to go to Spain, so let's do right. these kind of things. Like, things were shot... It, whether things cost a lot of money or not, they wanted to make sure they dressed the set to look the right. part. I cannot remember in any, any, I mean, in, in obviously the three or even Jason, or the three Sinbads, Jason the Argonauts, uh, you know, uh, um, Clash of the Titans, nothing is ever dressed under. It's always dressed to the nines. Like it wants, I don't mean physically the people dress, but I mean, right. but the set dressing looks yep. good. Because if you're going to spend time and money doing something, do it right, like you know, kind of thing. Um, and this is the night. It looks like you know whatever. And then, of course, the smoke comes out, and you know Jane Seymour screams, and you're like, "All right, what's going on?" It's very confusing. Yeah, that's right, because you know, <laughs> you're not sure he goes, what he happened. goes from Prince to Khalifa to the baboon, but you don't see the baboon until minute number twenty-one. Right. What I'm saying, yeah, you you don't know what happened. That's the yeah. problem. So, but it was but it was nothing good. Yeah, well, yeah. Clearly, when there's that kind of smoke coming out of things, it's not what people are hoping for. Uh, so Sinbad, obviously, um, you know, we know he's he's leading. He's the sailor, and the, he's obviously the we we know he's the prince of Baghdad because he has to be a prince because he's going to want to marry a princess. But they don't ever come out and say he's the prince of Baghdad. You kind of just kind of know he is, right? Um, they moor outside the city, um, and then uh, sometime later, and then they're. Um, coming up, coming aground, uh, coming ashore to to see Prince Kasim uh, to ask for Princess Farah's hand in marriage, but he finds that the city itself is locked down because of curfew, 
And there's no guard. There's no nothing. It seems really weird because he's like, they know we're coming, right? This And this shouldn't be how it is. So, of course, there's Sinbad on the outskirts of the town trying to get in. And um, Sinbad and his men are offered hospitality by Rafi. Now, we already know who Rafi is mm. from before, but Sinbad don't know who Rafi is. Rafi is Zenobia's son, son right. right? And he's just, oh, come in my tent. And, of course, um, I mean, so you're thinking to yourself, don't we ever teach you stranger danger? But Sinbad's like, eh, what could possibly go wrong? And so we, uh, you know, now we, um, obviously Rafi, uh, you know, invites him in to the tent and the wine is poisoned and they're now going to have, they're not have to fight their way out, right? So what happens is they call, Zenobia summons forth the three ghouls. Yeah. Now, this is, this is a perfect example of, color the three ghouls are reddish browns they appear to be like okay so the best way to describe it is they're not they're certainly not human they're they kind of look like they kind of look like uh first men in the moon they kind of look like the in insects from there if they had their skin taken off so right. they, they appeared to be skinned right but they're not skinned no you know and, what i'm saying like and each of them has uh, have different colored eyes. Well, that's what I was going to say. Their eyes are them. very, and they're very colorful. They're red, they're right. blue, yeah. and they're green. Yeah. And their eyes pop very simply. You could have made all three of them look like skeletons and have no eyes. But instead of doing that, you gave them color. You gave them a pop. They all have different weapons. Uh, one has an axe. One has a right. sword. One has a, you know, is swinging a flaming stick of fire. Um and what you have here is to differentiate them amongst themselves, to give them their own personalities. Harryhausen is, no, is known, known for giving every one of his creatures its own life and personality. Right. Even though all three of these ghouls are the same, quote unquote, they all kind of do things a little differently. And you're thinking like, well, how different could they do it? Think back to Jason and the Argonauts. Each of the skeletons is a little bit different. Right? None of them do the exact same motion the exact same way. Because why? Harry Helsen felt that would be lazy. Like, that's not how you do this. Now, the, they are swinging, a, uh, they're swinging fire. The only scene that looks a little, the, the Blu-ray kind of isn't great, was when they first rise up. You can see the fire is too see-through. But I think that's an error of the film stock itself original. Yeah. Um, but it's nothing, it's nothing that takes you out of the scene. They are... Well designed. I like that they have horns. I like that they're not just skeletons. I like that they look like ghouls. Yeah, I I found the uh, well when when Zeno the thing is with this with this scene here when Zenobia uh, trans you know brings the ghouls yeah. to life, she says you know kill Sinbad and you know kill them all. Uh, it, it reminded me of the the line from Jason well, and the yeah. Argonauts. But again, that's. But what she's supposed to say? Kill all those guys. Like yeah. I mean, that's not how you would, well, you would say kill but them. But the all. thing is, uh, the 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 uh, ghouls themselves, the head structure reminded me a little bit of the Selenites. That's what I just said. Yeah, yeah. from one in, in, from, first uh, men, first men in the moon. Yeah, first men in the moon. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, and it's, um, but the scene in the tent is outstanding. From from Harryhausen's point of view, when they move outside, it's not because the at this point things get dark. Yeah, because they're in an alleyway or whatever, and it's the contrast between what was just we just saw ten seconds before to this. It I don't want to say it, it mitigates the the scene, but it 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 slows it down 
to the point where, well, okay. I think the issue is we go from a fire lighting them from underneath. Because remember, there is still fire and the light lighting them yep. from underneath. And it really pops their color to the moonlight outside is now lighting them from above with a less, the it's not as strong a source of light. Right. And the other but, thing. But the thing is, but if, but, but if they on the outside were well lit, I don't think it would work as well right. because it needs to be night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, but the, you know, and here there's, uh, the, the, as Sinbad is fighting the, the ghouls, the, uh, the sword goes through the, 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 the ghoul, just like the sword goes through the mm -hmm. skeleton. And so. Well, I'm not saying that you don't reuse some ideas. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, if it was a skeleton, straight up skeleton, you'd be like, ah, oh, it's the same thing. Like, there's no way anyone can think that Harryhausen took a piece of film from, you know, Jason and the Argonauts and just spliced, spliced it in here. There's no chance he used the same, like, everything here yeah. looks new. And you know, the one thing about the, these scenes, and you needed Bernard Herman's uh, uh, score. Yeah. The, the sword fight that uh, that Jason does in Jason and the Argonauts oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, the, no, no, in Seven Voices Seven Sinbad, 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 is... Yeah. is just the music alone yeah. enhances the scene. Here, uh, well, Roy Budd did the music here yeah. instead of instead of yeah. But I mean, but again, it also has to do with uh, again when you're bringing back people together to do a film, um, you know. Oh no, I it's mean, hard to get everyone yeah. you know every time. And yeah. I mean, and and to be honest, Dad, just because you get the right people, you could have all the same people. You could have the same director, same yeah. actor, same whatever, and it doesn't work because you don't have that one piece. You know, so it's, it's what it is. Um, and as Dad said, they are fighting outside. Um, Sinbad's able to crush them under a giant pile of logs, which makes sense because he's not, you're not able to kill him any other way. And I didn't see a cliff to jump off of. So the giant pile of logs makes perfect sense to crush right. him, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, to be honest, it's really not, it's, they're not the big bad. They're not like, it's not the final fight. It's supposed to be just like, right. okay, but, you know. No, this is, it's only seven minutes into the movie. Yeah, so you've already had right, special right, effects right, work. Yeah. Yeah. You're seven minutes in, you've already had three distinct ghouls animated in one scene multiple times. So, and again, there's no, like, there's no leaping across things, but they do come off the ground, which means there's a flying brace involved and all those different things that are yep. so, people take for granted with CGI. Like, oh, look how this looks, look how this looks, right? It's like, yeah, with CGI, you can do that. Harryhausen doing all this by hand and he has to animate each one of them one frame, take a picture. Each one of them one frame, take a picture. And it's like, oh my God. Like, it just, you can just imagine a scene that takes... I don't know. Let's say fifty seconds, at at one frame per yeah. per you know. Take it's, you a couple of weeks. Yeah, right. Because it's but it's one frame and it's a move of school one two three and when, when then you go one two three then one two three and it's not just moving one guy. It's moving all of them, and they have to be in rhythm. You have to remember what you're doing. That is super hard. Which yep. is which is always why the the skeleton scene in Jason and the Argonauts is still referenced by. People like Phil Tippett and people like you know um, you know Dennis Mirren and all them and saying yeah. that literally inspired us because we realized oh my God he is animating seven of them at one time that's insane and that's what leads to a lot of it. okay so Sinbad meets with Farah who um, so Farah manages to escape the um, the city and Sinbad meets with Farah who believes that Kasim's uh, curse uh, is Zenobi is one of Zenobia's spell and that unless Kasim is cured within seven moons. Uh, Zenobia's son, uh, well, Zenobia's curse will stay, you know, will never be able to be right. broken. And then Rafi um, will become the caliph instead. Yeah. Right. Now, why Rafi? 
is the next in line. I think because she's the queen, and this is her son. Son, so then, okay. Because and he's and not a direct heir. And there's nobody else. Well, the thing is, I they, mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't the well no if she's the queen, she would have to she would be the one to take over. Right? You just can't make the the caliph. Well, no, but I think that's the whole point. Like you know, the like <sighs> she's she's in charge. But, but again, this has to do, and then again, people are gonna get mad, but it's true. In Middle Eastern stuff, you need a male dad. It's not about a woman. She can't lead them. Yeah, but there's no bloodline. Here. But but she is the queen. Caliph is the direct descendant of the. Uh, um, excuse me, Kasim is the direct descendant of the Caliph. Right. The Caliph is dead. Kasim becomes the Caliph. That's direct bloodline. Yeah. His, sister, his sister's got direct bloodline. She has no claim to it. Yeah, but is she is 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 Rafi the uh, the son of the current uh, Caliph? No, he's he's the that's, son of Zenobia. That's who what is, I'm saying. But so, okay, look. Okay, this is this like, is this is much deeper than we need to be for this movie, Dad. What I'm saying is, it has to be a male. Right. A male has to lead the kingdom. So the next male in line, because there is no other son after, because if it's not it's not Kasim, then it should be Farah. Farah is a direct descendant right. of there, but if she's a woman, and so that a problem in this part of the country, this part of the world at this time during that stuff. Okay, it's probably the best way to say this without getting ourselves in trouble, yeah. right? And that it has to be a male. That's the whole point. And no one questions this. So this is just no, what it's right? got to be. Yeah. So it's going to be Rafi. And, and you're thinking, like, Rafi, the guy from, like, the, the early 90s who sang little kid songs? No, not that Rafi, the guy in this movie. Yeah. So anyway, they need to cure him within seven moons. Otherwise, it will be become, uh, you know, Rafi's kingdom, and he'll be Khalif. So um, Sinbad, Farah, and, of course, Sinbad's crew are going to go off to find the, the only person they can think of, they can think of that could actually help them, which is an old Greek alchemist known as uh, um, um, Melanthius. Melanthius. Right? Melanthius um, is maybe real, maybe not real. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Sinbad's like, well, I've heard of him, but no one's ever seen him. And it's like, huh, like, so you're willing to bet on this is the only shot we got to go do this. Not let's go inside, kick the door, and get this witch to fix this thing. But we're going to go do this. So it's okay, because that's what we're doing. So um, he's in, he, we, they know he lives supposedly on the island of Kazgar. Um, but the problem is, supposedly no one's able to actually sail to the island of Kazgar because it's, there's, there's there's breaker rocks and you can't get there and like it's an impossible journey, but Farah is desperate to get her brother you know not to be a monkey anymore basically you know kind of he's a baboon we don't know he's a baboon yet but to get him back and Sinbad's like well I want to marry this girl and so this seems like a good idea and what's if it if it doesn't work out they're no worse for wear they're just seven moons later, um so. Where are we here? So, uh, so he's a hermit, lives on Kazgar, okay, and he's said to be able to know how to break the curse. So Farah brings. Now they're they're referring to him in as a prehistoric baboon. I mean, he's a large baboon. Yeah, he's a big baboon. And and just to let you know, it's not a real baboon. It's all CGI stop motion. No, no, no. So he's just no CGI. It's a real. It's it's the stop motion. And to be honest, it's. Harryhausen is always he he animates certain things like anything with scales and stuff like that is different. Things with fur are always a little weird because you get the like 
the, the touches and the Touch fur and stuff. Um, and there's a lot of fur on him. You know, kind of thing. It's, he, he's a full baboon. So there's a lot of fur. So some people have complained that his fur moves in weird ways. And you're like, it literally is a armature with fur on like it's like the same people who complain why does king kong's fur move like that and i'm like okay like you guys can find anything to complain about if you just look hard enough trust me like and i'll you tell know, you the truth after what when you it, see him the first time you see him he's in the cage right yeah. kind of thing right and then it's like but it's shocking the first time you're like whoa that's a yeah. big baboon but, but it's not a real baboon you know yeah. it's not but it, you forget he's not real yeah but again it's, it's animated outstanding yeah 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 but again if, if you're if you're looking for if you're looking for the flaws you're not going to be watching the movie yeah you're going to be watching the, the, right, right. the hand but it's like anything print. else it's, it's like anything else dad though people who look for the flaws in everything who want to just pick something apart well i want to show you is okay stop motion animation when it's done really well you forget that you're watching stop motion animation exactly. you forget very quickly that you are watching a stop motion baboon okay I, folks what, you've got to go look at bad stop motion or mm. like claymation like when you're like oh my god like when you're watching gumby you never forget that he is he's he's made of clay. You never forget that. Okay? So that's what we're saying. So for those of you who want to, oh, blah, 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 great. I, I, I just don't care. It is well done. And how much is he on the screen? Yeah, he's on a long he's time. He's on a long time. There's long stretches of him on screen. That is hard to do. And he's not on screen interacting with nothing. He's interacting with Sinbad, with Farah. He's interacting with later on, like he's in different scenes. He's moving stuff. How good does that look? So where are we? Okay. Um, transform. Okay. okay. Zenobia and Rafi. Okay. So they set sail and. Well, you have to go back. They, they, the only way they could, they, the two of them can follow Sinbad is to, is I'm, to I'm getting to that that's oh, what i'm saying oh, okay. so what i'm saying is so the palace guards uh you know the, the ones who are loyal to the, the to kasim right. they set up they're gonna you know help them get away and, they, and they've now got and now they're gonna watch for what's gonna actually occur like make sure zenobia and all them so they can keep tabs on them so zenobia and rafi are going to have to, to try to follow them but there's no way that two of them are going to be able to do this by themselves. So we get the Minotaur. Now, some of you are thinking, like a Minotaur? Nope, nope, the Minotaur. Now, I'm going to say this, and people might not agree with me. Talos is literally one of the most popular Harryhausen creations of all time. I mean, it, I mean, you can disagree. It's fine. You can be wrong. He is one of the greatest. To me, I love Talos is amazing. Now it's time to pick what could help the help them get there. So instead of being Talos, you know, the the, the god on the island, we're going to build a seven and a half, eight foot tall Minotaur, which is a a a human body with the head of a bull, built of bronze with a gold heart. Now, I want you to think for a minute. What this is summer of seventy seven. What movie came out in the summer of... What came out in 77 that might be a bigger hit than this movie, even though this movie made a lot of money? A choice. A Star Wars. Star a Wars. Star, Star Wars. Star. Yeah. yeah, the movie we talk about Star Wars. In Star Wars, there's a really big, hairy guy. Oh, okay. Who's that? No, that's where you get. Yeah. Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Played by... Right? Peter... Peter Mayhew, Peter. right? Yeah. Guess who plays the Minotaur? Peter Mayhew. He played both of them. 
he in in the scenes where it's where they had him uh, he's stop motion. There are scenes of him in the suit. Yeah. They had a suit. It's him in there too. He is literally in the two of the biggest movies of 1977. He plays different characters. He's in that he, but he's credited as in the suit too. Um, it, it's very minimal because it's almost all stop motion. But there are scenes where they need to be standing next to each other. It's him in there in a suit. I just want to throw that out there. It was that. It was. I found that. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. But so they are now going to row. They are now have a boat built of, of metal. Right, so it's not a ship like you know, Sinbad ship of wood. Right. They now have a metal ship that the Minotaur can row as if he is six rows of men rowing the boat. Right, and you're like, oh my god! Like, are you kidding? Like, this is this isn't even checkers and chess. This is like, you know, checkers and like PlayStation. Like, you're not even playing on the same level here. Like, they now have a giant made of metal who never gets tired. And who can row a boat as if he's six rows of men, a metal boat, which will cut through anything in its way, including the fishing boat with the guards in it. And, and, and you know, the thing is, though, as a kid, I remember them going through there and I remember him stabbing the one of them. But I don't remember the guy begging for his life because that makes it even worse. He's begging, save, begging for his life. No, no, we're good. Minotaur, spear that guy. And he just kills him. Just, yeah. you know. You know what? You know what amazed me on that is that the... Uh, the, the live action scenes, mm -hmm. they're on the boat that they that they actually are on, is really cool. Yeah, and you know what? I it think, looks like the Nautilus. Yeah, but I'm surprised that there wasn't a toy. Oh, Be well. no, because there was all kinds of stuff that came out for this movie. But there was no toys, toys for this movie. No, no, there was toy. There no, was, no, later there were toys. That yeah. not 1977. No, but again, even now, that no, no, yeah, I agree. They, I agree. People go back, but that you could have had an a, a one foot long boat. With Zenobia and uh, and and um, um, to be honest, that in, in, until Clash of the Titans, there are no Harryhausen movie toys. Clash of the Titans is the first time we got to Perseus and we got things. Like, we had figures <laughs> because the toy. I know what you're thinking the toys, the movie, the movie that started the toy thing well, it was, it was came Star, Star, Wars. Star Wars. So they didn't think about making toys back then. Yeah. And and let's be honest, model kits were. Oh, no. Plastic snap togethers right. back then. It was not. It wasn't, it wasn't the industry we have. You know, whatever. Now, I, I understand what you're saying. It, it the, the boat kind of reminded me in some of the way it was shaped like the Nautilus. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, which you know makes sense because think about like the Nautilus. I mean, it, I mean, how long? What, what, when was um, when was Twenty Thousand Leagues Under Sea? Nineteen fifty four. Right. I mean, so it's not like it was a recent movie, but Twenty Thousand Leagues Under Sea was still very popular at Disney. You know, I mean, sure. and, and then kind of thing. It was still a Disney property. It still was something people remembered. Yeah. Matter of fact, the ride was still there. At the well, yeah, we have, yeah, it was as early. What I'm saying yeah. is, but like people remembered the Nautilus. They remember what it looked like. And when you think of the Nautilus, you thought of like, okay, well, that's a machine in a time of like when machines weren't like in a time of wooden boats, it's a metal machine. Isn't that the whole idea of the Nautilus? Like yeah. in the time of, you know, sailors and, you know, when we're sailing on the seven seas in a boat with wind and maybe we have oars, here's a metal machine. I think that's what more, I mean, not to say they use the idea of the Nautilus as that, but isn't that really what the difference is between it? Sinbad is doing this old school. Yeah. He's sailing with the wind. He says, I can only go as fast as the wind will take us. Like, they're not even they're not even Jason and organizing it where everyone gets on and starts rowing, you know, kind of thing, because he's got a crew of like six guys, it looks like. Um, but the reality is the metal 
the 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 metal machine that is driving the metal boat that is you know, he's going twenty four hours a day yeah and it never stops um, so Sinbad and Farah um, and obviously uh, Sinbad they land at Kazgar and they able or they take the instead of running themselves aground they take the um, they take the, the the small dinghy you know kind of the small boat ashore and they find Melanthius and his daughter Dion okay who agree to help them after some you know consternation and kind of being, you know, had to be, you know, convinced and stuff like that. But part of it is that Melanthius is talking about like, well, you know, these things exist in idea and theory. Does it really exist? Well, he exists. And since he exists, Sinbad's logic is like, well, you were real and we didn't believe in you. So that other stuff is probably real. And that is some circular logic right there. But we need it in the movie because there's no other way to prove that these 2,000-year-old scrolls... I mean, he says it. He goes, Archimedes would eat it. Oh, he'd be so jealous. Like, of course I'll go with you. And what they're talking about is the mythical land of uh, Hyperborea. Now, Hyperborea, in just his name, makes it sound like, okay, it's something beyond what's there. And it's talking about that at the coldest part of the world that there is, in fact, lush green valleys and everything's hot. Sound familiar? Sounds like land unknown. Just saying yeah. um, that 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 you could have this exist, but that concept has actually been around since the time of the Arabian Nights. That at some point, the Earth will—it's the end. But when we get to the end, there's something beyond that, and that's what they're talking about—the idea of Hyperborea and the civilization of the uh, um, Arispesi that they once existed, and yeah. that in Hyperborea is the knowledge to change Kasim back into the right, prince. Right, because it's the shrine of the four elements. Right, yeah. And that's the idea, that at the top of the world, they don't say the top of the world, but they say at the t- basically well, the top of the world, right? That it's, it's, basically, it's basically, they're saying, at the top of the world, it's not cold, it's hot. And, it's, and, and that idea exists, I mean, we see it in movies now. We still see ideas like, like I mean, it's in, what do you call it? It's in Iron Sky 2. They crash through the ice in Antarctica and what's underneath there. I mean, it's crazy. You got Hitler riding a, a dinosaur and stuff like that. Right. But like, but literally, it's 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 utopia. It's yeah. it's you know. Yeah, this is I be perfectly honest, as as you watch the rest of the film, this the next sequence where they it I mean they're going from uh you know, basically uh Middle Eastern uh Europe yeah. to the, the Arctic or yeah. what, or the Antarctic. Or the Antarctic. Antarctic. You're not going to get there with, with nine guys rowing. Well, no one's rowing. rowing. No one's rowing. It's literally just the wind. Blow, the wind blowing oh, the you. The wind's blowing. But I, this is where I thought that some of the movie, at, at this point, somebody goes off the rails because it takes a long time to get to uh, Hyperborea. And this, the next sequence that you'll talk about I think is just there because of Harry Harryhausen's special effects. Yeah, well, of course, that. I mean, that's that's part of the that's part of what's happening here. I think, I think what what hurts, and and I don't want to be negative about this movie. I do enjoy this movie. What hurts this movie, I think, is some of the trying to be grander than needed to be. Right. Why does Seven Voyages of Sinbad work so well? And I don't mean this as a knock. The story is pretty simple. Princess turned into a little person. We got to go back to the island. It's, I mean, they're literally. It's, there's not. They're not a lot of different places. They're at the island. They go back. Right. They make her little. They go back to the island. There's not a lot. In Golden Voyage, I, they really started trying to push that idea, but they don't travel 
insane distances. Right. You're yes, you have the, the the cannibal tribe, you have Kali, you have all these amazing set pieces. But you're really not that far from where you kind of started and whatever kind of thing. I think they were trying to make this bigger and more grand. I, mean, I don't know. I, I mean, think I think at this point what you had is the only other than the baboon. Again, before they get to uh, Hyperborea, the only special effect you had was the baboon and Minotaur. And ghouls. And the ghouls. And the, but the ghouls were right away, so they're gone. But, but I'm, it's, it's, been almost, it's been almost 40 minutes. Well, I'm, but I'm not saying, though, that... that I'm just saying is the, the, the concept of traveling that distance in this amount of time is the issue. Yeah, but again, you, 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 you take it for granted that they could do it. But what I think happened here was that they had gone quite a long distance. I mean, the baboon, once you saw the baboon the first time at 21 minutes, wow. And then you see the baboon again and again and again. He's, he's, a, he's a special effect that you're not wowing anymore. At this point, the movie, you said it was 118 minutes. 113 minutes, yeah. Something like that. I think the producer said, we need another special effect before we get to Hyperborea. I, I agree. And so that's that's why I think this this part of the story was written in. Because there's no there is there's no valid reason to take logic from being in the Mediterranean somewhere to go to uh, to the Arctic in a wooden boat. Right. What I'm saying is, but I think what they were trying to do, we had seen Sinbad in warm weather, we had seen Sinbad in a temple. Right. Yeah. We had never seen Sinbad in the snow. Right. And you got to get him to the snow somehow. Now, could it have maybe been handled differently? Could it have been we're going here and then Zenobia somehow causes this thing to happen? Yeah. But hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, kind of thing. Like I think they were just like, we need to get them somewhere in the Arctic because it's well, very easy to because it looks very different it is strikingly different to see Sinbad no matter whether you you know Patrick Wayne or whoever might be playing Sinbad in like furs and stuff he doesn't that's not something you've ever seen before right and I think that's what they're going for here. Well, but did they know that they had to go through when when, when they on the well, ship? But as soon had... but as soon as but that's what Melanthius says. He goes, "We're going to go through the most treacherous yeah. stuff." So they got all the furs on the boat. I mean, we you have to accept the fact that all yes. that happened. Oh no, no. I, yeah, but when you had mentioned it before about you know the the uh, um, the land unknown. Yeah. They they go from uh, the cold. You know, they fall through the, the hole, yeah, hole in the Arctic, and bingo, they're in uh, they're in Bermuda, yeah, and you know the same thing happened in uh, um, the land that time forgot, yes, you know where they 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 break through the they ice through, and, yeah, and, yeah, and they go down it, yeah. and underneath the thing, yeah, they are like and it's it's not a new concept, yeah, it's, but I think I think the issue is uh, how long it takes you to go there in a in a submarine, right, to the land that time forgot, or a boat, you know, this movie is very different. Um, and that the fact that they are being chased by a machine-driven boat, which logically they should have catch them, should yeah, them. it should catch, be catching them, yeah, because they did leave ahead of them, but not like weeks ahead of them. I mean, you know, kind of thing. I mean, they they're they're got to catch up anyway. So uh, Zenobia at at this point, um, she uses a potion to transform herself into a seagull. Uh, and to, they don't really know where they're going, right? Now. Yeah, because now she kind of doesn't have any idea. She's kind of just kind of well. We saw them get to here, and she doesn't know where from here to go. She transforms herself into a seagull to try to spy on Sinbad. Once upon the boat, she turns herself into a miniature version of herself and li listens to Melanthius tell Sinbad of how to cure Cassim. 
Uh, Kasim, of course, is now, you know, again, he's he's becoming more and more animalistic. He's losing more and more of his humanity as he's staying a, a baboon longer. Um, but Kasim is try, tries to escape the cage and tries to capture uh, um, um, Zenobia. Um, and then what happens, of course, is then Melanthius and Sinbad wind up capturing her. Now, this scene has always bothered me, right? You have her. Melanthius finds out that she needs her necklace. You have her necklace. There is nothing else that I would be doing except, all right, now I'm not, there's, forget the B, forget any of this stuff. How do you fix them? How do you, well, we'll kill you. Well, just start tearing her apart. That sounds heartless and cold, Jay. You're such a jerk. Guess what? If I don't have to go to the end of the earth to fix this thing, but I could fix it right now, you better believe I'm fixing it right now. She knows how to fix him. There's no turning you back. You're going to stay a little tiny lady forever yeah. who's going to have no fingers and no toes and no arms and no legs and going to be, we're going to call you Matt. That's what we're going to call you, okay? Because we're going to fix Kasim. And once Kasim is fixed, maybe, just maybe, lady, we won't tie you to the to the front of the boat and let the birds pick at you to death. And you're saying, Jay, that's heartless and cold. She's a witch. Guess what? She's heartless and cold. Anyway, and you're thinking like, oh, God, that's so horrible. Right? Anyway, so Melanthes' idea is to find out what the thing does. He feeds some of it to a wasp, which makes no sense whatsoever for the smartest guy in the well, movie. I don't, I don't think he actually feeds it. He has it. He it, takes it, no, it, no. He takes the wasp or bee, whatever you want to call it, out of the thing. It was oh, oh, drink, and it starts growing. Dude, are you joking me? There's not a lot of it. Clearly, this is the stuff that she needs to fix herself. Use it to leverage her to fix Kasim. This has always been my hole in the movie. Yeah. I know like, it takes forever to get there. Whatever. This is the hole because you have her. What are you afraid of? Her son? He couldn't even figure out how to kill Sinbad when he had to drop on him and poison people. And he had three ghouls, right? I mean, okay, the Minotaur, but you don't even know about the Minotaur. I mean, that thing would be a problem. But, like, literally, you have her. This is where you get the... But no, because they do the right thing, somehow feeding the to bee. And, then of course, they have to, like, now the bee is going to kill it because the bee becomes giant. Yeah, that, that is a great scene. Yeah. But, again, and it's all flying... It's all uh, It's all a uh, flying brace. It's, it's yep. in the air. It's... It's all crazy because now you're animating not just the baboon in the room at some points. You're a bee interacting with three and four people who are swinging at it convincingly. Um, and, of course, uh, so Sinbad winds up killing it. Uh, Zenobia uses, uh, she's able to escape when the bottle gets turned over. She's able to then use the remaining part of her potion to turn her back into the seagull. And she gets off the ship. And, of course, they didn't kill the seagull first. They killed they said they were now they're gonna what? kill no they're gonna kill the seagull yeah you had her stop her in the bottle it's getting hard to breathe in there huh huh honey yeah look at that a lot of vapor in there huh yeah, also they didn't close the window yeah fast right enough right so so she gets out so she flies away but but she's not well she's but no but she's same. a seagull she flies away back to her own ship but she doesn't have enough potion left to turn her all the way back so now she's got the right leg of a seagull's foot yeah this, which is this like reminded me of the uh the return of the fly. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm just saying is like, so, so right here, so right here, folks, we could have like ended this story. This story could have been like, and then Kasim is back and then they torture this poor little tiny lady and they get rid of her, right? But no, now we got to continue on this long voyage as they start reaching, I'm assuming it's the North Pole. 
I'm assuming is what it is. Yeah, I mean, there's no other place where there's this much ice. I guess so. So it's it's like, but it looks like obviously just like you know. Well, you know, you can tell that the the they have stock footage of the the, the caving of the uh, of the ice. Right, I'm just saying it, but it, I mean, the thing we're assuming we're sailing north, not south. Right. You know, kind but of again, thing. From from where you are, you have to go through the Strait of Gibraltar yeah. up the Atlantic. Oh no, it's not a short trip. Thousands of miles. It's not a short trip, Dad. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying that. So um, Sinbad and his crew, uh, obviously, they they get there and they find the opening they're looking for, but they can't get the boat through the opening. Yeah, because they, they because it would crush yeah. them. And that was another stock scene of a of a of an ice crusher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the hull of an ice crusher kept going through. Right, what I'm saying, but like, so they can't get through the the cave. That'll take them right there. That'll save them all this time. Right, because the boat can't get through. Remember that later. It's important. So um, they're going to go the long way around, and of course now they finally find a place where they can no longer keep sailing. So they unload the boat, and they're now going to trek across the ice, the, the ice yeah. to get to uh, you know, to the temple. And that's when we have the giant warus attack them. Now again. We, we definitely needed something here because it's been a while now. We haven't had any new monster. It makes perfect sense that this is a giant warus because they do they do live in that part of the world, you know, kind of thing. It would be kind of weird. See, the only other thing it could have been was like a polar bear, but like a polar bear is not really as dangerous as a giant warus for what it's doing. And it wouldn't make sense to come out of the ice. And really, are there? I don't know if there are polar bears in that part of the world, like like that that far up. Well, then yeah, the polar bears are in the Arctic. But, but I'm saying is, but like where they are, it's supposed to be a wasteland, basically. Well, yeah, like well, so yeah. there's nothing living on the land so it makes sense that it comes out of the water and it's not something it's not something mythologically crazy it's not something that doesn't actually there are giant warriors yeah. you know? I mean, this reminded me of the scene in one million one million years bc yeah the, with the turtle with the turtle because yeah. it's it doesn't really do anything other than just come up and and the the, the roar or growl or whatever it is that they they put in there I mean, if a turtle, if if the walrus can, actually does something like that, yeah, it probably does. I mean, because it's it's got lungs. But again, the, 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 as I said with this scene, they needed something. But if they had gone to the temple and there was there were creatures to be there before we get to before we get to the temple, it might it might have been a different thing. Because this scene is dark. Yeah, you can't see a, a, a thing. Plus, they got. The fake snow or the, um, the snow, superimposed snow. superimposed over the thing, and that they that they actually kill this thing. Well, they don't kill it; they well, drive they, it back. Yeah, they drive it back. I mean, yeah. it's. It, I think it's a throwaway scene. Okay. just to have more special, special effects. But it, it, it's there to show off Harryhausen yeah. having three different live-action humans interacting with one of his. It. it I mean, yeah, it's, it's well the, done. It's the, four, it's the four versus two. Yeah. Well. Well. But it, but it's all been up. But it's not just that. It's having the humans fight a creature. Right. It looks good. It's not that it's not cool. It's right. just it doesn't add anything to the movie. movie. No. What it, no. What it does. It kills two guys off. Yes. It kills two guys off, and it wrecks their supplies. So it gives them a reason to have not enough supplies or not enough whatever. Um, it just—it's kind of just a plot device, but it doesn't really do much to the anyway. Um, where are we here? So okay, Zenobia. Uh, okay, so now Zenobia and and Rafi are on the boat, and they find the tunnel. Right. So that's the problem. They're looking for the tunnel, and they can't find the tunnel. But when they finally find the tunnel, they go, "No problem. Our ship will cut right through it." And I'm like, "Of course it will." Yeah. Because it's the Nautilus. It's the it's the metal machine in the time of boats, you know, and wood, right? So 
he has the Minotaur turn the boat. Let's go down the tunnel, you know, kind of thing. You know, just like on the Jungle Cruise at Disney, you know, kind of, we're going in kind of thing, right? And of course, um, they are now going to go down that tunnel and then we know that they're going to end up in the middle instead of having to go the long way around. Right, right. So now Sinbad and his crew, they're walking and they wind up reaching the valley, which they're looking for. And it's now, you know, warm lush, and right? lush and everything. Yep. And so um, the girls, you know, the the, the, the girls, the, the, the women are bathing and of course, that's when we get meet the troglodyte, you know, the eight foot tall um, caveman throwback, you know, whatever you want to call it, single head, single horn on top of the head. Um, it is, it's not as big as the Cyclops, obviously. We're not talking about a giant. We're talking about, but it's as as uh, uh, Melanthia says, it's one of our ancestors. Probably about fifteen feet. Well, no, no, it's about eight feet. He's eight He's feet. Eight. Eight. He's eight feet, Dad. Trust me, okay. because the baboon is not nine feet tall. Okay, okay. Yeah, so you yeah. got to kind of think of how big the baboon is next to the person, next to whatever. So, but he's, but it makes sense. And of course, they say oh, he's more scared of you. They're like, well, he looks pretty scary. Yeah. And, you know, again, another case of fur and different skin texture for Harry Housen, too. And what happens? There are scenes where the baboon and the troglodyte are in the scene together, being animated, talking to each other and communicating. It is, it's well done. And again, and the troglodyte's important to the story because he kind of has to be there because he needs to be, you know, open doors and stuff like that, right? But it's like, you're like, okay, this is the next thing. And to this movie, this is, not to say a problem. In Seventh Voyage, there's not 50 different things. There's just really well done, the rock and the whatever, right? Here, it's like, we got to keep putting different things on the screen because in 1977, they really want to make sure, because people are looking for that thing. They're looking for that. They needs to be better. I mean, let's face it. You could tank out like the year before King Kong and then like have nothing. Yeah. This is this is them saying, hey, look, you know that movie that tanked last year? Look how good it could have been. Look what if Harryhausen had done it, right? I mean, th so you're showing those things on the screen. Whether they meant to do it or not, you know, kind of thing. Let's face it. We all are kind of thinking that. Um, as being the case. So, um, obviously, they convince the, the Minotaur that, not the Minotaur, excuse me, they convince the Troglodyte that they are friends. Um, and the Troglodyte is going to now, is going to go with them on the rest of their adventure as they start getting near the shrine. Well, Zenobia and Raffi also get to the shrine because they had the shortcut, shortcut. right? And they come up, and I love that the Minotaur, they start going up, and the Minotaur's like, all right. Yes, I'm done rowing. Let me just grab my harpoon thing over here. Like, he literally, they don't give him any instruction. Nothing. He's just like, all right, guess I'm done. You know, kind of parked the boat. And he's walking up behind them. And we now get to the temple. And the thing is, Melanthius has the key to the temple. But they have no idea where the key goes, how to use said key, whatever. So, of course, there's no entrance because the key is what you need to open the temple, whatever. Yeah. And Zenobia has about zero patience for anything. Like her whole thing is like, blow it up. Let's just, who cares, right? So she uses her potion to like blow apart, like it loosens the rock. And she's like, Minotaur, take it, like pull it out. Yeah, like and, and th th There's no no love lost between uh, Zenobia and, and Minotaur. He grabs the rock and pulls it open like, like, like Hercules would have done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the rock 
It's well, it's not a rock. It's a big. It's, uh, it's okay. A, so 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 it's like imagine a um, like a, like a, a Mayan temple, Mayan. like the the slabs of like right. rock, you know, the, that are holding it all together. It yanks out one of the bricks and then and then falls backward and with the brick and it crushes him. Yeah, it crushes him, and she's like, his work is done. Right. Like as it literally like, like like they're gonna be able to get back. Right. Like so, happened? here's the problem. They there's no way to row the boat. boat. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Like. See what I'm saying? She doesn't seem to care. This is why when you're like, Jay, how could you say torture her? Like, she doesn't care anyway. She would kill everybody. So what does it matter if they kill her? But I know, I know. It's not supposed to be so heartless and whatever. Anyway, where are we? So the Minotaur pulls the rock out. And of course, the stone falls on him and crushes him. Um, but he's able to open the temple. Now, the problem is because they didn't use the key to open the temple, the, the, the shrine's power is now unstable. Which makes perfect sense. That's yeah. why there's a key. Yeah. Now, the the uh, when when you when they actually get to the to the front of the the shrine, the entrance gate, the shrine gate is very similar to uh, the uh, the um, uh, Sakura's lair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it it's not the same, but it looks it's very very similar. Now again, that's. But I think that also has to do that has to tie back into. Um, the ideas of ancient ancient civilizations and societies used to have faces and stuff on their openings to yeah. make it look more intimidating and stuff. I just think it's just something normal that would be there. It mm. would be weird if it wasn't. Yeah, and the now now they're inside the uh, when they get inside the shrine, the, um, the well we see the guardian we see the guardian of the shrine which who's frozen. frozen. We can't tell what it is, but right. it's clearly big and hairy, right? They're inside, and now Zenobia's inside. And uh, and um, um, Rafi, Rafi, I couldn't remember his name, yeah. right? Well, so, but, but the thing is, as as, the, as you walk into the to the to the the, the shrine's chamber, yeah, what you have is uh, the roiling water that's going up, up. or and down. Every that is a scene that uh, I remember. Something very similar to that happened towards the end of uh, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Yes. When the... Well, that's when they're in the, the water. Yeah. Is, is, is invisible. Yes, and he's in the water. Yeah. The thing is, this water is flowing up. Oh. The idea is that this is where the power is coming from. And they, you know, Melanthius is like, we can't waste any time. We have to get, um, we have to get, you know, um, you know, Kasim uh, into the, the stream so we can fix them. Um, Zenobia orders Rafi to attack Melanthius. Um, is about to stab Dion with the knife, but Rafi is then attacked by Kasim and is killed. By falling down the temple stairs, so Rafi gets a pretty uh, unspectacular death um, because Rafi's kind of been a jerk the entire movie, and he's been hiding behind his mom's skirt anyway. Right. So the, the the prince who is now who's of course the Kasim is as even as the baboon has become attached to Dion, and that's you know the whole point of the, like the whole thing in the movie right. is that Dion is very, very she's um, a good soul, so she's able to help the Tragedia or whatever. That Kasim kills him, I think, is perfect because Kasim has not been able to do anything the whole movie. He's just screeching and whatever because he's a baboon and he kills Rafi. And that now, that makes Zenobia snap because she hasn't been uh, literally on, on the last thread of sanity the entire movie. But you know, what, what, what gets me here is that she is a witch. Why would she, why would she send her know. son up the stairs to kill uh, you know, to, to Melanthius. Melanthius, yeah. when she could have done it with a spell. But I don't think she can do it with a spell. That's the whole point. She's not that kind of witch. She's a witch who has potions and stuff. Yeah, but she, okay. Okay, yeah. but, but Dad, she also made herself into a tiny little person. It doesn't, the, what she is doing in this movie doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, but... Oh, but that's right. what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. She turned herself into a bird. She heard what she needed to hear. Leave the boat. Guess what happens? You'd have your information and not be whatever. Like, the, some of the things she does doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but to me, the thing is, when you go back to being in a movie, she conjures up the ghouls. Yeah, with and a potion. That's what I'm saying. She throws the potion into the fire oh, okay. and conjures them from hell. That's the whole point. She didn't have a fire right here. Rafi, go take care of this. Right. If she's counting on her son, the schlub of the movie, <laughs> the biggest schlub going, I'll go take care of it, Mom. I'll fall down the steps. It's good. That's fine. Rafi needed to break his neck 110 minutes ago. Yeah. That would have helped the whole story. And then torturing her on the boat. Anyway, so where are we? So yeah, so now she is overcome with grief and she's crying and they're like, great. Someone should have stabbed her. That's all I'm saying, but it's okay. I don't know. Maybe one of Sinbad's men who have swords in their hand. I don't know. Stab her. Kill her. Whatever. Anyway, she's there crying. And then Melanthius is like, all right, let's go. Kasim, let's get me in the cage because we got to get this done because it's faltering now. So now Zenobia is now going to possess the guardian of the shrine, which who is frozen in ice. We don't know what it is yet, but if you look at the title, you might give it away, right? It's a saber-toothed tiger. It is a really freaking cool saber-toothed tiger. And let's be honest, it looks better probably than a saber-toothed tiger as any business looking. But it is huge. Saber-toothed tigers were not that big. So this is like some mythical whatever. But it has to be big. Because it can't just be like a regular size. Like saber-toothed tigers in general were, I don't know, lion size a little bigger than lion size yeah, yeah when you when you see the the skeletons, the skeletons they weren't they weren't huge though they weren't like 25 footers no they were probably they were probably not including their tail they might have been eight to ten feet right but they were like a large so like a big size lion or a right. large, tiger, large tiger right but they were the bigger but they were not humongous they were not these insanely large creatures because they just first of all the saber tooth that the, their saber tooth their teeth were useless, and a lot of people don't understand that how useless yeah. those things were. Well, no, no, see that according to when we went down. No, 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 no. They, they people always want to think that they use them to like rip and tear things. No, no, those no. things were not. They were used to hold on to things, right? Because yeah. the jaw could open. Yeah. Oh, and had and had Dis, uh, dishinge, yeah, dishinge, yeah, and then it would grab that, right? And then that, but but it looks, but as a saber tooth tiger, like oh, it used to tear things apart with that. Yeah. That's like thinking a T Rex was grabbing th- something ever and ripping it apart no no it's not designed that way t-rex's heads were designed as i mean don't get me wrong they could tear things apart but they were not designed to be fighting things an allosaurus yes a spinosaurus yes a a, uh you know a a carnosaurus yes the 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 tyrannosaurus rex with his little baby arms and giant head it was it was not designed to do but but it's been it's been romanticized and whatever so much, you know. I, matter of fact, the, the the whole thing about the Tyrannosaurus is they said he probably was a scavenger. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, but but he but he, but let's face it, this Tyrannosaurus Rex head is so impressive, and he's like, look at these teeth, and look at this yeah. thing. It, it might not have been as cool as you think, guys. I mean, just saying, like, you know, that's why. And this is, I think, um, I mean, let's be honest. The cover of Jurassic Park has the Tyrannosaurus Rex on it, kind of thing, right? But what what's the takeaway from Jurassic Park? Velociraptors were no joke. And we've come to learn they were no joke, you know, kind of thing. As, as they had, they hunted in packs and they used to do whatever. And again, I understand we don't have them right now. So please, like, well, Jay, like, you know. But, but what happened is you started learning different things. The same way that a T-Rex didn't drag its tail behind it. It didn't flick its tail like, it, like in King Kong. And it was an Allosaurus technically. 
But guess what? It's really freaking cool in the movie. Stop trying to ruin everything. Okay? Anyway, so Zenobia gets inside the cat. And now you're like, whoa, that's a lot of animation right now because we're animating on steps. Not on the and, ground, and the, the, on the freaking steps. The most amazing thing about that was, what, what's the, what is it called when you can see the... Uh, the, the traveling mat. Traveling mat. There isn't, you no, don't see it. You don't see it. Now, there has to be a traveling mat there. I, so, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, like, traveling mat means that scene had to be filmed a certain way and then it was superimposed upon it. And there has to be a traveling mat in that scene. Hell if I can find it. Yeah. I, you don't see it. Now, the only thing you do see is that the, t- the, the tiger itself is very bright, right? There's not a light. The light source doesn't make sense sometimes in how why he stays as bright. Yeah. But I think it's because literally his his coat was just that bright. I don't, I don't think it's a light source issue. Because that's been said. People are like, the light source is wrong at this point. I don't think it's a light source. I think it literally is just that yellow. Yeah, well, he's bright yellow. But I'm saying is, yeah. but like, but people said that he should be darker here. And it make, I, I just think the coat is that color. Yeah. And that's why you get that color. It's not Harryhausen lighting it weird. I think it's the coat of the, right. it's the actual coat. And of course, the troglodyte's got to fight him, right? And you now you're, now you're animating a troglodyte, uh, the saber-toothed tiger and people in the same scene. Like, what? If you want to understand why some movies fail and some movies work, and you're saying, well, Jay, you've said that there's holes in this plot. There is holes. There is Mack truck holes in this plot. But when you look at the special effects in this movie, there ain't no holes the whole time. Like, everything looks good. And you're like, but why? Because Harryhausen was a master and he literally yeah. was the best at his, he's the best to ever do this. But it takes forever, 100%. 100%. Is it quicker to stick Rick Baker in a suit and have him jump around on a set that no one cares about? Yes. Is it quicker to have, like, uh, you know, um, like, a, uh, whatever. Like, nowadays, you can do things with CG. It was quicker to have, like in Star Wars, is it quicker to have guys in masks and stuff be in the alien? Yes, because they're humanoid aliens. It works. It works fine. No, I'm not saying it doesn't. But when you want this, when you want... When, when you want, when in 1982, three, whenever Return of the Jedi comes out, when you want the Rancor monster, you don't want a guy in a suit. You want the Rancor monster who's the freaking coolest thing in the whole movie who gets killed real quick for no reason, right? Because it takes forever to animate, right? But that's what you want. Like when, 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 when Dennis Mirren talks about it too, but when it's more Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett talks about, I mean, let's be honest. You, you We've met Phil Tippett. Yeah. Like, you know, you look at this guy. He looks this. I mean, you look at him in 1977. You're like, oh my god, it's the exact same guy. Like he has the same haircut and everything else. Same shirt with no sleeves. I think it's maybe the same shirt, right? Um, sorry, Phil. But uh, the thing is, he talks about imbuing characters with life. Like Harryhausen did that. Phil Tippett does that. Guys like they do that. Even the guys now, like even the even the people who do like, uh, you know, even the guys who do the the stop motion for like. Uh, what is it, Kubo and the Six String and like those kind of movies nowadays. Like they're, they're, they're stop motion, they still do. Even the Wallace and Gromit and that stuff like that. Everything is imbued with life because it could just be dull. And that's what we're getting here. You have the fight between the Troglodyte, the saber Tiger and the men. And it's outstanding. And of course, the Troglodyte is, gets you know attacked and now the saber Tiger's Tiger is on top of him and, and he's tearing him apart. You know, Harryhausen's not a big blood guy. He's not a big, oh, gushes of blood and whatever kind of thing. But the blood here makes sense. 
There's yeah. he's he's getting. I mean, he's well, getting ripped apart, but he's not well, gushed blood. Well, while that when the uh, um, when the tiger has the trog leaning against the stairs, and it looks like he's about to get get eaten, uh, Sinbad comes and. Uh, sticks Pants, his yeah. sword in the leg of the uh, saber tooth, and blood starts to come out. Yeah, and there, there's there's one scene in there that might be um, uh, an homage to uh, King Kong. Is the troglodyte flips the tiger backwards like uh, Kong did the uh, the t- the T Rex? Yeah, yeah. And so, but again, then the, then the the I mean, the thing is though, as as this is going on, obviously, Kasim has been put into. Let's just make sure we get this. Kasim as the oh. the critical. He's put. He's being put into the the thing so they can change him back. So it's not that they're not trying to change him back. That's still going no. on. You know. Gotta, meanwhile, down below, you have this war happening, and the troglodyte again. Um, I think he he has to die in the scene. I understand. It, it, it's. It, I mean, it. it would you love to see him walk out with them at the end, like all you know, triumphant? Yes, it makes sense. He should die. I think evil has to kill good at this point because good's going to triumph over evil in the end. And at the thing is, the tiger. When you get the close-ups of the face, and there's really good facials on the tiger. There's really good yeah. stuff that happens in there. Harryhausen, you know, I mean, his his sculpts are phenomenal. His 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 armatures look amazing. Um, the one thing that I kind of thought, and and you, you see this in Golden Voyage, and I think that's why they didn't do it here. When um, the bad guy in Golden Voyage, I can't remember, he was one of the doctors in Doctor in Doctor Who. He slashes the back leg of the Griffin yeah. to give the the Minotaur, Minotaur. The, the, you know, the, 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 the centaur, centaur. Excuse me, the centaur, the advantage. Yeah. Sinbad and his men. Are starting to poke at him, whatever. They just, I'm, I just go and just start hacking at that back leg, like if you could. But I think that's too much on the nose for Sinbad. But if Sinbad was started slashing at the back leg, it would give the troglodyte. What does the troglodyte do? He takes his horn, he jams his horn into him, like he does everything he can to fight for his life, because he's not. He tries to use the Minotons, uh, um, um, javelin, or yeah, piercer, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Fish hook, whatever you want to call it. The, the thing he killed the guy with before. Um, he tries to use that like as a, a weapon. Hook. Yeah, it does kind of thing. But he, but he does. It doesn't help. I mean, he's not he's not skilled enough with a weapon to do that. But like I think, I mean, I understand why they didn't do it. But to me, I would have had them in there, like squeaking at the back leg, and maybe the tiger swipes and kills a guy that way, just to change it up. But again, what's there is there, and I think it 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 doesn't. I don't know. It's it's. I think I'm being a little nitpicky. To me, it would be like, man, if this thing didn't have its back legs, it probably wouldn't be able to keep doing what it's doing, you know. And I don't, I know, I want to get out of here alive, and that's what I would do. But it's also too, we're we're now fighting a giant saber toothed tiger with like, it looks like you know cocktail, you know, like swords, like kind of thing. Like yeah. they're tiny compared to him. And of course, um, 100, percent and 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 people can say it's not. It is when now the the saber toothed tiger. It's coming after Sinbad, and Sinbad picks up the the metal, you know, uh, spear, and he puts it against the stairs, and he leans it there. That's one million years BC. BC. Harryhausen used it once. Yeah. Now it's different. It's different. He doesn't harpoon him straight in the air. He gets it into him. But every single person who's seen one million years, one million BC, years BC, excuse me, knew exactly what was coming. Yeah. And you know what though? I like it there, and I think. As an homage, and that's what people always said, like, what's a ripoff and what's an homage? You can't really rip yourself off, right? He's doing it. He did it himself once. It's, it makes sense. And it's very different than when the Allosaurus gets speared. I mean, the Allosaurus is stuck on that thing, and it's right. way in the air. You know, I like it here. It makes sense. 
it's about the only way Sinbad's going to beat this thing. Because there's, I mean, shy of trying to drown it, what are you going to do? Hey, yeah. We hope that the rock falls on it? Like, what are you doing? It's, I feel like it's blinking from uh, you know, Men in Tights. What are you doing? Guessing? Like, you know, he, what's, he's going to hope a rock falls yeah. on this giant thing. I mean, this, is, this, is, uh, this has happened, you know, even before uh, the one million years B.C. It, it happened in The Incredible Shrinking Man. When you've got the the spider that uh, yeah. that has to that has to be killed, and how do you do it? Yeah, you stick the spear into right. it. Right. Yeah, the, 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 and that's needle. The, the needle. Yeah, right. And but that's the thing is, I'm saying it's not you're not ripping something off. It's no. but it's the only thing that makes sense. sense. And then people say, well, it's clearly this. What else would you do? I don't know. See, you have nothing. Right. See, Sinbad didn't have a cannon. He didn't have. A, he's not pulling out a bazooka. Like it doesn't make any sense. Clint Eastwood isn't coming through and dropping napalm on him. That's from Tarantula, right? Yeah. It's that I'm saying there's nothing. What are you going to gas him? This yeah. isn't the Deadly Mantis. Like there's no way to beat this thing. You fight with what you got. Now, if it had been a stalactite or something like that, I'm like, okay, that's a little more tree. It makes perfect sense. It's the spear. They brought it. Use it. So anyway, um, then then of course they all they all get out the door. Uh, well, no, that's not true. Sinbad, Kasim. Yeah. Farah, Melanthi, everybody who's not the filler gets out. Anyone who we named gets out the door, right? Um, and of course, uh, now we return. Uh, you know, yeah. The, the, yeah. the next scene is they're back. They're back. They're right. back. I mean, okay. <laughs> now you've got five, four less men yeah. than you had before, and you got to sell that ship. You got, you got. Well, you got Kasim. He's probably stronger, strong enough. You got. Not only do you have to, you have to go back across the cold. Yeah, you know, back across the you, know, you got to go back, and hopefully your ship is still there. Right, exactly, and, and not frozen and to it's the not ground. Frozen into the t- yeah, but you you have to be willing to accept all of that because they just waved their hands at that. Because now we're back um, in Sinbad, Cassim, Farah, Melanthius, Neon return home just in time, just in time for him to be crowned caliph amid the celebration. Um, obviously, you know, we, we, at this point, we kind of know that obviously. Um, um, Kasim has fallen for Dion. You know, right. obviously, we know Sinbad and Farah are supposed to be married. Melanthius is now, uh, Melanthius is now, you know, not this hermit. He's now this revered person. And of course, the screen fades to black and Zenobia's eyes appear on the screen, um, which, of course, it's like, it's the 70s. Why not? Yeah. Now, but we the, all know she's dead. But there was but no, is she dead? But there was no question mark. So. Right. Yes, there, yes there's, there's no question mark. If they had put a question mark down, I think I'd have lost it. But you know, so we, we, we get that maybe maybe she's alive. Maybe she's coming back. We, of course, she never did. Um, you know, because we can, when, when she gets stabbed and now she's bleeding out, we don't see her like go back into her body. We don't right. see anything. And let's be honest, the whole thing collapses behind them. If she got out, I mean, you know, so, I mean, she also almost couldn't handle being in a jar, so I don't know how she was going to get out of that. Anyway. Yeah, the happiest guy in the whole movie is the old Khalifi. <laughs> well, no, he's dead. <laughs> he's been dead the whole time. The old Khalifi is dead. Um, so, this movie, as we said... Oh, no, no. Uh, What's his name? Uh, well, Kasim's uh, pretty happy no, that he's... Farah's, Farah's father. Fa- Farah's father's dead. He's the Khalif. Well, no, who's the guy on the pier... No, no, no. He's the advisor. advisor okay. He's the advisor. He's sitting there going, the whole time he's been running the show, by the okay. way. He's the advisor. That's right. You're right. So, of course, this movie's available on Blu-ray and stuff. There's different ways you can get your hands on it. Um, it's available on Prime Video. All the, the releases are pretty much the same. Dad and I both have the uh, the all-region release that was put out. I want to say it's 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 British, but it could be 
uh, Australian. It might be Australian. Um, let me see real quick. It is Vivisan, Mad Men. I'm not 100% sure. But it has this this release. I, I have the exact same one. It's Jason and the Argonauts, Golden Voyage of Sinbad, Sim, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, and uh, some, and Golden Voyage, Eye of the Tiger, Seven Voyage, and Jason and the Argonauts yep. all together. There's that as good as they're going to look. Um, it's it's a great set if you don't have it. Well worth the time picking it up. Um, usually you can get that thing about twenty something bucks uh, if you just look around for it, you know, kind of thing. Um, it is available in a single disc. That single disc does get a little pricey sometimes because it goes. I don't want to say in and out of print, but I think it's just in and out of like people having it in their hands. Um, I myself did not spend the money on the single. I bought the the set all together on purpose. Uh, now the reception for this movie. We told you it made money. It made, you know, at a $3 million budget, making $20 million is awesome. The problem is Star Wars came out the same year. And critics decided to compare this movie to Star Wars. And yeah. how can you compare this movie and Star Wars? They're not even the same type of movie. Like, if you want to talk about the, unmit on the unmitigated success that Star Wars did financially. Okay. And you want to, keep, you want to talk about the idea that... Um, you know, this movie didn't make as much money as Star Wars made. You can say that too. But by the same token, I don't see how you compare a movie like Seven, like the, excuse me, the uh, Sinbad the Eye of the Tiger with a movie like Star Wars because they aren't the same type of film. And, you know, and I get it. Like one science fiction, this is fantasy. And well, but Jay, I'm sure a lot of people, so I understand that. Okay. Like this is why. If any of you know me, it's why I roll my eyes a lot of times. But like the the critics, a lot of times were comparing the two films, and as you're comparing the two films, I don't think that's a fair comparison. Now, if you said to me, Jay, this movie's not as good as Golden Voyage, that's more of a fair comparison. This movie's not as good as Seven Voyage, that's a more fair comparison. You're comparing apples to apples. Um, the problem is. What happened here was a lot of what people said was, and this is a, you know kind of an issue, uh, not an issue I should say, but kind of what they came up with is people said because this film is so much more based in fantasy than in science fiction that it felt uh, I don't want to say you know simple for its time, but it wasn't in the, the vein, same vein as what we had with Star Wars, where Star Wars kind of felt like space and future and boom, and I mean, like, and all those things that Star Wars eventually meant to people wasn't here. This harkened back to an older kind of film. If you had said to me, this movie came out in 1972, I'd have said, no problem, I believe it. There's nothing here saying this is 1977 per se. The issue is that it did come out in 1977, not 1972 or 1976 or 1970, whatever. So it's always going to be in that same boat with Star Wars. I think what you get here is the difference between fantasy and science fiction. You know, you know, Jay, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I think, but again, as a movie fan, whether, whether you're my age or your age or even your daughter's age, you have to be able to appreciate each movie individually and to compare... I mean, if you were comparing... But I'm saying, critics no, at the let, time let's really say, let's wanted say, to... Let's say you were comparing Star Wars to Battles, uh, Battle... What is it? Battleship Galactica? Or Battlestar Galactica, the TV show. Dad. I mean, the TV show. Or even 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 uh, the uh, uh, any of the other science fiction movies that, or the, the ones that, that are themed like Star Wars. You know... Uh, yeah. That's a different story. 
But you can't compare apples and oranges. But that's the problem is they wanted to do that because that's what critics get paid to do. And remember, back then it was about filling a space in a newspaper, which I know some of you were like, what's a newspaper? Newspaper, Right? So Believe it or not, they still have news. I can't believe it. Yes, they still have newspapers that I know. They're in the way every morning when they throw one behind my car. I think you only buy them to, to, to... to refill the, uh, yeah, the birdcage. Well, I think, no, well, or, or you're afraid of the internet, like some people who live near me who are afraid of online. I can't handle it. Anyway, um, the problem is, again, is that a lot of people looked at this and said, well, the acting is not great here. Right. And then they said, okay, and then, and this is going to catch me a lot of heat, but who cares? Look at Star Wars. I mean, Harrison Ford became a much better actor after Star Wars, right? And, oh, no, that's horrible. Like, Harrison Ford is not um, does not have an amazing acting job in Star Wars. He's fine. Mark Hamill's fine. Carrie Fisher's fine. They became better actors and actresses as they got older, right? And and did that mean Patrick Wayne got to be better? No. But like, but you know, the thing is, like, it's not like you're saying to me, look, Sir Lawrence Olivier was in here giving this amazing performance in Star Wars. No. And they ain't doing it here either. The level of acting in both movies is a B-movie level. Gasp, oh no, clutch your pearls. Oh, Jay, who cares? I don't give. The whole thing is that when you look at the way the movies are written, they aren't written to be the same thing. Star Wars is written very differently than this movie. And what's the biggest problem I have with movies? Don't be boring. Guess what? This movie ain't boring. Right. It ain't boring. Now you're saying, well, Jay, you hit there's holes. Yeah. I didn't say there can't be plot holes. I didn't say there's parts I could like, maybe want to tighten up. I mean, could we tighten up this movie a little? Maybe get it down to like 107 minutes? Maybe. But we're not talking about it being a, a three-hour epic. And, you know, it's like, you have nine seconds, you know, kind of thing. Like, you, you know, there's nothing that, there's not a lot to tighten up here. It's not boring. What's on the screen is visually captivating. Again, it's not like there. It's see, it's not like it's a bunch of like just like well, there's no women in like there's women in this whole movie. And let's be honest, Jane Seymour's on the screen, and uh, uh, what's her name, Taryn Power. Power. I mean, they, they, well, you had the harem scene. Yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> there's always a harem scene. Yeah, well, there's only that doesn't last long though. Uh, you know, kind of thing. But I'm saying is like so. So for those of you who are looking like, well, there's not this, there's not this. How is is what's what's Carrie Fisher wearing in Star Wars? She's wearing she's wearing a drape. Yeah, she looks like Carol Burnett in a, a Blown by the Wind. Oh, but, right. Uh, but when she's with the uh, that's Job of the Hutt in a third movie, Dad. We're two oh, movies right. away. Okay. Two movies, movies away. You aren't even close to that movie. No. Can't go there. Okay. So the whole thing is for anybody who's like, oh, there's not a lot of women on the screen. Have you seen Star Wars? There's a lot of old dudes. There's a lot of Peter Cushing, right? You know, kind of thing on there. You know, retreat in our moment of victory, right? And I'm not, and I'm not knocking Star Wars. What I'm saying is, they aren't the same film. You can appreciate two different movies for being different than each other. And if you haven't seen this movie since you were young, go back and revisit it. Yeah. Right. The special effects hold up. Harryhausen. That's the one thing I can say. No critic at all at the time bashed Harryhausen. They said Harryhausen's effects are top notch. And as we know. In 1976, Jim Danforth was told he wasn't allowed to do Legend of King Kong because it take too long. And then we got that. And then you all had a second episode because we had to tell us how much we loved it or hated it or whatever. Yeah, and the thing, one of the things that uh, was a big disappointment, you just talked about the, you know, the, the Legend of, of Kong. It takes, it took, remember, they, it was three years 
in between Sin, uh, uh, Golden Voyage, Golden Voyage Sinbad and Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger because it ta- it takes that long. Yep. In order for Harryhausen, and I'm sure Harryhausen was the the, the first person they, oh, were, yeah. they they called to do this. Yeah. He said, uh, "You have to wait a couple of years." They they there was no way they could wait because. The De Laurentiis was pushing his film, yeah, yeah. and it, and all the festoosh that went on with all yeah, that right, stuff. right, and that's the whole thing. But that's why they went to Danforth, and even Danforth said, because again, remember Harryhausen is getting on in years at this point. Even Danforth saying, even working the fastest I can do, I can't get this out any faster. Like it, it didn't matter. Even even poorly done stop motion takes a long time. Right, that's the problem. You want good stop motion, it definitely takes a long time. But even poorly done takes a long time. So. Be that as it may, folks, this is uh, obviously, um, you know, as we've, we've talked um, in the past, you know, we, we don't, we try not to do, we don't want to burn through our Harryhausen movies, you know, so too quickly kind of thing, because they only have so many left. And we saved this one for our six-year anniversary um, episode. Um, and obviously during that six, those six years, we've covered a whole lot of different stuff, you know, kind of thing. We've been all with them. Like, We've covered stuff that's modern, stuff that's old, you know, TV, you name it kind of thing. And this was just another um, example of kind of touching on things that, and again, it's the 70s. It's, 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 it's Harryhausen in the 70s, and we only have so many of them um, to even go back and look at. But maybe you haven't seen this in a while. Maybe you saw it in the theater. That'd be something. If you did, you see this in the theater. Are you of the right age where you went to the theater and saw this? You know, maybe after you saw Star Wars three or four times, and you let's see something else. You know, kind of thing. Um, I'm sure this played at like I mean, this played at regular theaters, but I'm sure eventually drive-ins and stuff like that as well. Um, You know, at 113 minutes. Uh, So let us know. Do you have great memories? This is is this maybe your favorite one? Um, you know, are you a big fan of the '70s Harryhausen Sinbads compared to like maybe Seventh Voyage? Whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know. Um, so, folks, like I said, this is our six-year anniversary. I want to thank everyone for all their uh, you know, contributions. As you know, um, doing a podcast is a labor of love. Neither Dad nor I make a dime doing this. Um, 100% we don't make a dime. Um, and we, you know, we do this because we enjoy talking movies and we enjoy bringing you guys entertainment. And we love hearing from you guys. So, um, you know, we just want to say that, you know, it's been a, a fun 118 episodes so far. That's not bad, folks. And you're thinking like, oh, well, Jay, like for a monthly podcast, 118 episodes in six years, that's pretty good. That's more than once a month. Anyway, so the idea, folks, is that we, you know, we do this because we enjoy talking movies. We enjoy, you know, uh, um, talking about uh, what goes into making these movies, and you know, and and all the great stuff about that. Um, and we do, you know, we do appreciate the feedback, and then we'd love to hear from you guys. So, that I think we're good, right, on yes, this. We are. Um, the plan is obviously at the end of the month, it's a thirty-one. So a thirty-one means a dark room episode. Um, so we'll hit the next episode of the dark room at the end of this month, and then uh, you'll see. We'll see what's coming down the pipe. We have some scheduling that we have to work around um, other times. Um, so then we will. So I can't say for sure what April is going to be, but I can tell you this: whatever it is. It'll be, uh, we, you, we will cover whoever is covering, whoever is here and doing whatever. We will make sure we hit all the good aspects of that. So, folks, we want to thank you all so much for your downloads and your listens. Like we say around here, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown, 
an unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters? Or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti. And search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Giaconetti. And you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?